Okay, that's what happened last time. The first click clicks into the app. The second click hits the record button. Oh, so you were just staring right at it. So I clicked it, but it did not go, which is unlike every other Macintosh application where clicking into a thing does the action. It doesn't just click in and and do the app itself. So here we are, take two of our recording, (laughs) because I did not apparently hit the record button. This is a native Apple app, too. This is QuickTime. It comes with Apple. It comes with the Mac OS. And it's the one thing that doesn't like do the action as you click into it at the same time as focusing the app. Everything else does that. That and a combined lack of verification. What do you uh, mean? Res- <laughs> yeah, verification on your part that it was recording. I mean, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have no excuse. <laughs> You're like, but Apple's to blame here. Of course it is. So we're here with episode three of Building Chipper. Episode three, V2. Yep, V2. All right. It's the beta. We got through over half the episode before I figured it out. We will run through some stuff. We're going to do project updates. We're going to do some business updates. And I think I'll be able to remember most of the interesting things we just ad hoced into the project updates. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. Do you want to start with the first thing? Yeah. So the first thing that we have on the list is feature... Well, the PR was called the pull request, formerly known as build checks. Basically, what it does is in the various Git providers, shows you the the commit status of the build or the build status of the commit. Um, so like on GitHub, you'll see the little green circle or the yellow circle if it's pending or the red circle if it's failed. And on the GitLab and Bitbucket and the other providers, it shows their equivalent statuses. And so... There's something exciting about this to me. I don't know. I like this feature a lot because we can actually affect the UI of GitHub and other ones, but mostly I'm excited about GitHub, especially that PR screen where you get the nice, like the nice UI they have around that. Yeah. You feel, it feels more integrated. Whereas before, you know, and, and really it feels like table stakes to have this feature. Like if previously we were just running builds, but you had to go check and see if the build, you know, failed or passed. Um, but now you can just see it right directly in, in GitHub or GitLab. Yeah, bucket. I think a lot of people's workflow are to be like inside of GitHub or just like looking at their Slack to see if a build succeeded or not instead of actually being inside their CI app. Like I have code ship at work and I only open it once in a while. I really just look at our Slack for the most part. Yeah, if something fails, yeah, you might might go look at the build on the actual tool, but for the most part, you want to see that in, in line. Right, in GitHub is really nice, yeah. Yeah, and the reason it was called build checks before is was I thought that we were going to have to use the checks API from GitHub and the equivalents in the other providers, which is this whole like part of our OAuth app setup, right? Like something I think like that. so. We, we have in GitHub, there's GitHub apps, which is the newer thing. And there's GitHub OAuth, which is the older one. I think uh, the check suite stuff is like part of GitHub apps when it's kind of more integrated in fancier ways. Right. And, and, while there is, there's good reasons to use that for our purposes, we just really needed to use what was called the status API, which is what all the older tools use. And basically that just tells you the, the build status of each each ref. Yeah, that seems like you the important the, stuff. The status for each ref. Um, if we wanted to expand Chipper to be more prescriptive in, in what to do, like like to help you with your tests or show you like what line is, is breaking on your test in the builds, we could use the checks API in the future, but for now it's, it's simpler to use the status update 
API and GitHub and yeah, fancy could get fancier. We'll see yeah. what happens. All right. I have been working on some dusk, getting dusk to work. Um, it did work before I had it kind of, uh, in a not great security spots because within a Docker container to get Chrome headless to run, you need to give the container permissions to make certain system calls to the Linux kernel that Docker prevents for security reasons. Um, so what I did is basically allowed it to do whatever it wants, which is kind of like the easy way to get Chrome headless working in a Docker container, um, which is not secure at all, apparently, uh, because you can um, leak out of your container that way. The container can do stuff to the host operating system. So the more proper way is to use a sec conf option in Docker to pass a JSON string that wait lists the system calls they can make to the Linux kernel. So that is what we did. I found like um, a resource from someone who I think worked at Docker or does work at Docker who has gone through this to make a Chrome headless container. So they have like a documented what you need to do to get that to be to be more secure. So that's run. Uh, Dusk is working. Um, there is a little funkiness still. You have to serve web requests in order for Dusk to work because it has to ping a web server of some sort. So the standard thing to do there is to run like PHP artisan serve or do the PHP dash S uh, thing to get PHP to run its own little dev server so we can send requests. Other platforms have you do the exact same thing to get dusk and similar stuff to work. Um, ours seems to be hanging at the end of it, pr- end of the process because that background job is working. So the Docker container or that, that little portion that we're doing within the build container doesn't know that it's finished because it has that like background process still hanging around. So I just have to figure out what I'm doing stupidly there to kill that when the thing's done, when the actual build steps are done. This case, for the most part, when people's dust tests have finished. Yeah, that's it's a nice feature though, because this is like part of the whole Laravel specific CI, uh, having dusk in there. Yeah. I'm really kind of excited that it should hopefully be in a place where it can kind of quote unquote just work uh, for the most part. As as much as dust can just work. Yeah, exactly. There's some configuration like you need um, like the PHP artisan serve command automatically by default listens on port 8000, um, which could potentially not work unless you have your app URL environment setting to set to localhost port 8000, not just the default localhost. So there's like some extra configuration needed there. But mostly it works. Um, there is like one thing I want to do in the future because Dusk can create screenshots. So what I want to do is that if people are using that feature, um, this is something you mentioned before, like because I forgot that Dusk could even do screenshotting. But because it can and it saves those screenshots, it'd be really cool if we could download or upload, I guess, the screenshots and have that visible as part of the results of your Dusk tests within Chipper. I think that'd be a really cool feature. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and this kind of punts down the line the need to be able to like SSH into the build and see what happened. Right. Yeah. And Which it's is like, well, you, if you were just going to SSH in to try to see the images or download them, you know, we can avoid doing that mm-hmm. a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that'd be more useful on a failed build than a successful one, huh? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, let's see. Other than Dusk, I've been working on updating the build environment a little bit, which just means the Docker container and how it all works. Uh, we've gotten feedback from people on the alpha version of uh, Chipper, which is basically just people we know kind of personally and can ping on Telegram and be like, hey, use this link and try this out and see what happens. Um, 
which has been really helpful. Um, some people in particular have been hammering on it pretty heavily. So we were able to find some edge cases and, and work around them. Primarily stuff around adding databases like MySQL and Postgre and MariahDB. Um, I had a bug where like the MariahDB host name wasn't set correctly. So if you had MariahDB, it couldn't connect to it. But if you used MySQL, it could, which is great. Um, and then like um, MySQL and Postgre and all that stuff spins up a database for you. Not the database server. It does the database server, but also creates a database for you ready to use. But if you need multiple databases or if you need to run some custom like queries to set something up, you couldn't do that. So one thing I did was to add the MySQL client command, the psql client command, so you can connect to the various databases. Um, and I have them configured in a way where you don't need to know a username or password. So for the most part, you should just be able to run like MySQL. Um, and since this is not an environment, right? This is a build system. It's not an uh, interactive environment, so you can run, pass it um, like a query as a string in both cases. So MySQL E, and then you can say like create extra database with a certain character set, or you know whatever kind of weird stuff you might need in your build, without needing to know a username or password, which is really nice. The same thing goes for the environment variable setup. So for each database you configure, um, you you get some environment variables for the username and password in the database we have set up for you and all that stuff. In addition to that, it also sets up the Laravel environment variables, which will uh, be available to you to use so you don't need to set them in your environment. Um, and I believe system environment variables override anything in your .m file and your .env file anyway, so these will kind of just work. So that's your db underscore connection, db underscore host, db underscore user, all that good stuff. That should be set for you if you choose to hook up a database um, in your project configuration. So hopefully that should just work. And now I'm remembering in our previous recording, our version one recording of this, we talked about whether or not it was needed for people to be able to hook up multiple databases, like one PG SQL database and one MySQL database and one MariahDB database all in one build. Whereas right now you have to select one and you only get one extra database other than SQLite, which you can use on any, um, in any build because that's just file-based. Yeah. Like we, well, the saying was that like Laravel Nova is an official Laravel product and it needs to be able to check against multiple database types. But Laravel Nova, the project, is not necessarily the kind of projects that we're targeting Chipper for initially. You know, the people we're targeting Chipper at is, are, are people that are running, you know, I guess mostly stock Laravel apps, you know, business apps that run businesses, you know, that aren't, you know, necessarily open source apps that need to check against a bunch of database types and PHP versions. Yeah. It's more sort of that business focus. Yeah. The business focus I think is where we have to start because that will help in theory, uh, bring in revenue so that later if we want to and feel we need to, we can expand that into supporting like people with open source projects or um, or just have the extra revenue available to spend on extra infrastructure to pay for the extra compute hours to allow builds to have you know multiple databases hooked up to them and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure that's a, a bottleneck right now, but it just kind of feels like it because databases can get really heavy uh, potentially. Yeah. And so. you don't want to have, especially with no revenue, you don't want to have anybody just Ronnie on GitHub running every one of his repos. Right you know, and spending all those compute hours just clogging just directly up comes our out of our, po- our pockets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, we'll see what happens there. Yep. Um, so for now it's a kind of an intentional, not a bug. It's a feature. It's a feature. <laughs> Picking one database. So you, you, 
I got some sudo updates. Yeah, people can use sudo. That is the update. <laughs> you can now use sudo, whereas before you couldn't. Uh, and initially, I was hoping to avoid people needing to use sudo by having it um, including lots of things people may need and having it very close to being a Laravel Forge type thing. But there's just situations where you just have to do stuff that requires sudo. I'd actually not ran across any apps of mine that I needed to like. To Me it, too. You know. That's true. But someone did. They had to change their locale to uh, an Australian locale, Michael. Man. Michael. Uh, because they needed um, the currency to be set uh, within PHP, which is kind of locale-driven. So that would allow their test to pass because that's what their code is all set into Australian currency and Australian locale and even their time zone. Uh, and to run like the locale gen command required sudo and, and to put stuff in certain files. So that got picked up. Those changes got picked up. And it wound up not being, we could do it in a way that was, you know, secure. Yes, Whereas, that's right. Because you know, other providers provide this option. Right. And I was wondering like what kind of crazy stuff you could do to a container that could affect the host system. But it turns out not really much. Yeah. And if other people are doing it, they're probably, they're doing it in a way that makes sense for the business still. So yep. we can figure it out. Right. Just knowing that it's possible is half the battle sometimes. Knowing that's possible to do securely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right, what do we got? Oh, we can retry builds now, which is great. So we have a button in the UI where on a failed or a successful build, you can retry or rerun a build, um, which helps us personally a lot in development because it's just it's such a pain to send up empty or just useless commits into a project just to trigger off a new build. Uh, and I think that's really useful for people setting up their projects too, where it typically takes a few attempts uh, to get everything just right and running, which, I mean, while that process is something we're hoping to make super easy for people, uh, so far is still, most people do not get a completed build the first time, uh, just because you have to figure out what environment variables you need and stupid factors like that. Yeah. And like I said, it's useful for us in production, it's uh, for development, but also you know, there's cases where we identified that you'd want the ability to do this, whether it was successful or failure, you know, like originally the feature was just for failed builds, but yeah. we said, Oh, it'd be nice to have this on successful builds because maybe you need to now add in the dust tests, you know, previously you didn't have that in your, your pipeline. Right. I mean, I've already come across it where it's exactly that. Like I, I got PHP unit test running. It was a, success, a successful build. And now I just edited the pipeline configuration to add a dust test. And then I wanted to retry that same build. And now you can. It also opens up the possibility to like trigger off deploys if we ever, if our integrations. Yeah. Or, or the, the deployment story becomes more complex. Right. Yeah, it'd be nice to just add, add more features to be able to like redo certain portions of a build or the whole build or like, you know, the deployment portion of it or something like that. Lots of good possibilities there. Okay, what's else on this list? We can select text from the build output where previously we had a CSS class that prevented that from being selectable. Yeah. For reasons. There were real for, reasons. For reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a pet peeve where when you're clicking around in an interface, if you like accidentally double click half the screen turns blue or whatever your text selection color is. And that really drives me up the wall. I like the the experience to be more like when you're using like the Apple iTunes store, you know, everything in there, it kind of feels like an app, even though, you know, it's HTML in the background, mm -hmm. because if you double click, it's not selecting everything. And 
that just feels more yeah solid for some reason. It right. feels like this the the screen isn't just built of like layered pixels. Yeah. It feels unlike, like an actual physical um, thing to click. Unlike like the Amazon console where if you're trying to select an IP address, it just selects everything on the page. It's like you move your mouse one pixel too far to the right and it just selects everything. Yeah. Um, but now you can select build text output, which is very handy to copy and paste errors and throw into Google or Stack Overflow or whatever. It's a little minor feature, but at least it's in there now. I just thought, or to send to us for support. Yeah. Which will be a thing soon. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. All right. Let's go into our business updates. Uh, speaking of support and that being a thing soon, I think we might get our first paying customer this week. We're trying to get, or are getting out of a kind of our alpha stage and into this beta ish stage where we are, uh, looking for people who are excited to try out chipper CI. Um, we have our stripe hooked up and ready to go. Uh, the system we have set up right now is a 14 day trial um, that is a credit card upfront thing, which may not be what we stick around with forever. But right now we are hoping to get people who are excited about the application to use the app. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's very usable right now. It's not like this is like a half baked thing at all. In fact, if anything, we've waited too long to get customers into it. Yeah, I, I think so. So we're excited to get people who are excited about it really into the staff and using it. Um, 14 day trial, we're figuring out pricing still almost every single application that does continuous integration has a paid tier and typically you end up in the paid tier because the free tiers are, are pretty limited. So it, depending on a use case, um, in my experience so far, I've always had to get into a pay tier of all these apps like CodeShip and Circle CI and all that. Um, they all start at fifty bucks a month, and then almost all of them go up in chunks of fifty dollars a bucks, fifty dollars a month, to add features um, primarily around concurrency and builds, so that you don't have developers waiting for one build to finish before the next one kicks off. We are going to be below that peer, that price point. I just don't know how much yet. We're still figuring that out. Um, yeah. factors are basically infrastructure costs and the other stuff we need to pay for, like pusher and, you know, whatever else comes up. Um, so we're figuring out a price that is less expensive just because, um, I don't know why we're doing less expensive. <laughs> why are, why are we making it less expensive? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. It'll probably stay less expensive because that feels kind of like the right thing to do. I think it just feels like um, kind of Well, niche. we have less people. We have one. less people. Yeah, we don't have customers have less, yet. Yeah, so there's less people. The product is simpler and more targeted so we can do yeah. a better job for a smaller number of people. Right, and, and I think that really jives with what we want to do with this application. I think a, a lower price point could potentially help that out. I mean, I mean, maybe that'll bring more people in the door too, which is also a nice potential, but... Um, I think this just kind of fits in with how we envision the app to go below like code ship and in terms of price and all that kind of stuff, code ship and then France and all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still figuring out exactly what that's going to be. Um, and we need to see what people need. Um, so I think I'm not talking to someone. I'm going to onboard them this week, I think on Thursday and they are excited to get started and to start the trial and have a credit card ready. Uh, I need to see what they need in terms of features for like concurrency because it sounds like they have a bunch of projects they want to put in right away, not just like start with one project, but, you know, up to like, I don't know, a bunch. I forget what they mentioned. Maybe they had 15 applications or something like that that they're using in Jenkins right now. So we'll see what happens. 
If you are also a person who really wants to get started in here and get your freedom away from other applications that aren't like meeting your needs, or if you have to manage a Jenkins pipeline and we all know, I don't know if we, I don't say we all know, I know from experience that managing Jenkins kind of sucks. Like you're hosting your own Jenkins and updating it and everything. It's one of those things if I had to use Jenkins, I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would just say, I guess I'll run it locally. Right. And I've, I've set up Jenkins and I've had it running for a few projects and it kind of like works nicely after you spend all those hours, like doing the servers and setting up Jenkins and all that stuff. Uh, but then you get your first round of, oh, these plugins all have updates and it'll probably break everything. It's <laughs> so like, then I've like immediately like, nope, don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, which is actually why I started paying for code ship for thermostat. Exactly that scenario that I was like, I want to get rid of this Jenkins instance. I don't want to like spend the time setting configuring this anymore. And then you found yourself doing that anyways. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because you weren't even running at tests, least in code ship. I don't yeah. have to worry about like security updates, the modules or anything, but it is, it was still a big story of like of a few days worth of figuring everything out. And I still can't run tests. Like I used to be able to tell you it's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. I just like use it to kick off deploys, which is great. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to switch it to Chipper. It's actually on Chipper, yeah. but we're just not deploying from it yet because um, we didn't want to do that until it was in a production state instead of this alpha stage. Um, yeah, but Thermostat is running tests now in, in CI within Chipper, so that's great. <laughs> and Chipper's running Chipper and CI. Yes, so Chipper and Chipper. That's one of the like Turing tests. You know? I know exactly. It's great. Um, Okay, so if you are excited, if you want to try this out um, and start a trial or talk to us about, you know, if your application could fit in this, I think most people's can, but we'll see what comes up. Send us an email at what? Admin at chipperci.com. Yep. And we are happy to get you into the app. We'll probably do an onboarding, like on a screen share type thing so that we can help you set up the project and... Uh, that'll help us figure out what kind of things we might need to add in terms of like onboarding messaging or just if anything's broken that we just haven't tried to do. Yeah. It's going to be exciting getting people in there. This is that moment where it's like all the vulnerability. Yeah, is there. exactly. Like, <laughs> you imagine like some sort of like nightmare scenario where you're onboarding somebody through a zoom call or something and they're like, this is absolute shit. Yeah. Everything's broken. <laughs> this is garbage. Oh, I thought it would be more built out than this. Uh, you know, oh. But actually, it, it, the app does feel good. I like it. I'm, I'm excited to use it myself. And no, so, I think if I had to think we've waited too long to get people on it. But it's like... Yeah, so the fears are probably unfounded, but yeah, you still exactly. sometimes feel that kind of stuff. Right. Definitely there's some component of fear there, but it'll be good. Get people on there, get some people paying, um, get support set up so people can ask those questions uh, and all that kind of good stuff. Yep. Start building out some more documentation. That's right. We, we do have docs. Docs do actually exist at docs.chipperci.com, but they are minimal at the moment. Not super, super minimal, but they definitely need to be expanded on. Yep. So we'll see. If that'll happen as people like make comments about, how do I do this? And we get that kind of feedback. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Mm, no, I think that's it. That's it on the list. All right. In that case, let's have an update out in, I don't know, Another week, another two weeks. I guess we'll see whichever it is, uh, depending on what happens in this next week. Yeah, we'll see how the, the beta starts going. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. All right. See you later.